Hi everyone, welcome to No Proceedings Review Crew. This is episode 40 and I'll be your host for today, Kevin Gossett, the LA Reviews Editor for No Proceedium. Wait, today we have... Hi, I'm Shelly. I'm No Pro's London Curator. I'm Brianna. I'm a Los Angeles correspondent. And Laura Hess, the No Pro Arts Editor. So today we'll be uh, talking about kind of branded shows or things that have um, big like IP backing. So we'll get into that in just a second before we have a quick... Uh, update on book clubs. The next one will be on May 17th in the No Persinium Discord, and it will be The Night Circus by Aaron Morgenstern. So I'm sure um, Blake and Patrick will probably be in that discussion when we get there in a month or so. So you have time to pick up the book and uh, read through it in the next four weeks. So now we're going to jump into the first kind of big show we're going to talk about today, and that is Doctor Who Time Fracture. This is an officially licensed event developed by Immersive Everywhere. So they're actually the company that puts on The Great Gatsby in London, which has been a long-running show over there. And this allows uh, participants the chance to spend the day as the Doctor's Companion. It says it offers 17 different worlds to explore on a journey through time and space while encountering aliens and creatures from the show. And I'm going to toss it to Shelley to uh, tell us a little bit more about it. Uh, yes, as you mentioned, it is developed by Immersive Everywhere. Uh, they have their own building now in uh, Mayfair Bond Street area, which is just off of Oxford Street in sort of the westy West London area. Um, very Gigi, very chic. <laughs> um, and because they own this building, uh, or because they are long-term tenants of it, they are able to build some really big money stuff. Um, Doctor Who timeshare. Doctor Who Time Fracture shares the building with Great Gatsby. Uh, Doctor Who is built underneath so it's in the basement like the lower level uh, which is probably why i had a hard time getting going uh first there was a big pandemic and then there was uh the first flood and they had to cash in on their insurance to get it rebuilt then there was a second flood and they couldn't they barely got reinsured so they were able to build it a third time and this would not have happened with a show that wasn't backed by bbc but they have BBC behind them. And let me tell you, BBC money goes a long way in London. This show, I'm so angry that I waited as long as I did to go and see it because I, I just couldn't believe like how detailed it was, how sweeping the sets were. I mean, we're not talking like punch drunk levels, but we are talking, it is huge and it's frantic and it goes on for a few hours and it's just so much fun. So what's, what's kind of the format of, of the show um, for all of us who are on the West Coast and, and jealous of the, the Kansas 7 <laughs> to the Doctor Who world? Sure. Uh, it's not, I wouldn't call it a sandbox. Uh, it's definitely uh, a processional style show. You sort of start in one area, you sort of unit headquarters and as goes in any Doctor Who episode, for those of you who have watched the show, uh, something goes terribly wrong uh, with the time-space continuum. And you end up having to go through this fracture in time-space. And you end up in, you start out in Elizabethan England, and then you end up bashing through to another, to a couple alien planets uh, you end up on a star cruiser at one point, which is the interval bar. And then you end up going through a few other worlds. You end up on Gallifrey. Like this, I cannot underline how many different worlds and spaces they built. I don't know how big it is. I thought it was in a basement. It's got to be like at least three basements worth. It's so big. <laughs> 
So that, that 17 worlds is not an exaggeration then. It's really you're going through tons of stuff here. You are going through so, like the first half, just it, every, it felt like every three minutes I was in a new environment. Uh, you know, and you wouldn't say like 17 worlds, they're not like sweeping huge. It might be the size of like, one of them might be the size of a closet. One of them might be the size of uh, a living room. One might be the size of a half a ballroom. But there are, there are so many different How environments. You... Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, sorry, go ahead. How are you being like transported between or, you know, ushered through if you're saying it's processional, I'm curious, like, so is is there a, you know, a narrative through line where then the I'm assuming the cast members, you know, they are kind of um, handing off that kind of guided baton um, in terms of how you're moving between these spaces. Tell us more about that. Sure. So sort of. So once you get through unit headquarters and you go back like down into the proper space of the show, uh, the the audience is broken up into many, many smaller groups. So you all are sort of given a handler who is not the doctor. They are a quasi doctor-esque character, but the actual the doctor does not make an in-person appearance. They don't recast or anything. But so your handler kind of rushes you through all these spaces. And, you know, it's if you imagine like a rabbit warren of rooms, each handler kind of takes you on a different track through the same environment. So some groups will see different spaces than other groups. It is not possible to see oh, everything. Okay. Yes, yeah, so I should have I should have underlined. Like I went with uh, a partner. Uh, my partner spent a ton of time in Elizabeth in England getting getting a pretty incredible one-on-one experience and some small group participatory things. My group did not get any of that. We spent a little bit of time in that area, but I saw so much more of the set than my partner did. So okay, so there's real reason to go back multiple times. Yes, there are people who like, and the the show gives sort of uh, rewards for going back over and over again. There are people who have been like ten times, fifteen times. It's it's got real revisit uh, experience, and the more you go, I believe they, I think they give you discounts. Like if you've been a couple of times, you can get you know a few pounds off your next ticket. That's handy. And then so so with a big show, especially with with Doctor Who, I think on in the marketing materials, there's like you can see the Cybermen in the background. There's some ooh, there's the Daleks. Do all these characters show up? Like that's why you kind of I think the appeal of maybe some of this this big branded immersive experience is getting to like really dive into the world beyond just like having it licensed. Yes, I'm not going to give spoilers for my favorite scene, but there you do get sort of front facing, you know, you are next to your favorite characters who are in a costume that is equivalent to what you see on television. Now I know like, you know, television is not the budget that film is, but it is the same level that BBC produces the actual Doctor Who TV show at. So you are next to the Ood, you are next to uh, robots and aliens that you've seen on television. And so you feel that thrill. And then, so how did you feel about this, I guess, maybe compared to other more independent immersive experiences? Did Was there a, a benefit other than like the sets and the, and the licensing to, to the show? Or was there kind of, did they really like make it something that like people wanted to come to and come back to? I think where I've seen a lot of small scale immersive and I've seen a lot of large scale and medium scale and having, first of all, having branded content and intellectual property content means that you have a built in fan base who are 
likely to come and see your thing. You're not struggling uphill to get people in the door. But once they're there and you have that kind of budget, it's just so much more polished. I, I feel like the audience uh, is getting what they paid for. There's a, a series here in London called Secret Cinema that deal with huge IP properties. You know, they've done 28 Days Later, they've done Moulin Rouge, they've done Blade Runner, where it's this, you know, two and a half hour long immersive experience where you live in the world of the thing. And now they've got the Guardians of the Galaxy coming up. And so you've got this built-in fan base, but when you buy a 50 pound ticket, which is the equivalent of like an $80 ticket just to get in the front door, you really get what you pay for with that kind of money. It's kind of hard to get a non-branded audience to pay that kind of money up front to come see a thing. At least over here. And is the price point is the price point um, similar for Doctor Who? Is that around fifty pounds per per ticket? Yeah, I would say it starts roughly around there. It can get more pricey, certainly at the weekends and certainly on the major holidays. I'm. I think I would struggle, you'd struggle to get a non-fan to pay that amount of money to come in the front door. However, this show is structured to the point where like fans of the intellectual property will love it. People who don't know anything about Doctor Who can still really enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. And for people who are maybe fans of the show but haven't been to immersive theaters, it serves as like a, a, a pretty good introduction to it then? Yes, I would say it doesn't force you to participate the way that some shows do. Certainly some like um, freshman, sophomore level productions sort of force their audience into interacting and some audiences just don't want to do that. Uh, there are opportunities for people, you know, the entrepreneurial opportunists to uh, have special interactions, but... Yeah, I would say that someone who has never done immersive theater before, as long as they are willing to jog a little bit uh, and run from the bad guys, uh, <laughs> I think that they will have fun. I do, I do think that uh, an accessible audience, like you know, say someone who's uh, not as fast, someone who's maybe in a wheelchair, will struggle with this show. It's accessible, it's doable, but you probably wouldn't get the full Doctor Who experience. Is there anything in particular about this show that you feel like sets it apart? Like if we're going to say, okay, let's look at, you know, again, kind of the secret cinema model, you know, there's some comparisons definitely to like punch drunk, like the level of, it sounds like artistry, craft, design, polish. Um, so if we kind of are comparing like shows to like shows, um, is there anything that you feel like really sets this apart compared to those other shows? Yes. I would say the sense of excitement and urgency, at least to the first half. Uh, the, the fact that every three minutes I was looking at a whole new environment, a whole new set that was just as detailed and beautiful as the last one. And the knowledge that in another three to five minutes, I was going to be getting hurried along to another one, just the decadence and the sense that just that urgency of, oh my God, I'm so excited. I can't wait to get into the next room. I can't wait for the next thrill. Uh, and that maintained through a lot, through all of the first act. Um, the second act was slightly slower paced, but I would say that for your money and for going to see an immersive show, this one at least packs all the thrills that you would hope out of something where you are physically present in the room. 
Do you have any kind of like final final thoughts on it or things you want to speak to specifically in terms of maybe like we can give a slight spoiler warning if there's anything you want to go into or just any other kind of things you want to share about the show? Okay, I will give a slight spoiler warning. So if you're going to go see this show, uh, turn off your uh, earphones now. There's a scene with the Weeping Angels that it's the opener to Act 2 and it is the singular most fun and most fright that I've had in live theater, I think, in my career. Uh, basically, you're trapped in a room with the Weeping Angels in a crowd. And the way that the actors pull it off is like the lighting and the sound and the, the statues is so good. <laughs> that it, honestly, that yeah, scene alone, awesome. I think, makes it worth paying the price of admission. And is it actual statues or like actors as statues? No, that's the worst part. Out? They are, they must be actors. But like the lights, the, the way that like the lights at each end of the room go out, uh, you know, one after the other. And the actors must be moving like while the lights are out. So you're so busy looking at one end while they're standing there threatening you that you turn around and look at the end. Meanwhile, they're moving behind you and they just get closer and closer as it goes. Oh, it's so good. Oh god, that's, I that's love funny. that. Yeah. <laughs> that really seems like it captures the flavor of the of the show. So I'm glad you were able to like share that behind a spoiler warning because I think that that's such like been a key kind of thing in the in the new who. It's so good. But I wouldn't want to ruin it to anybody who uh, yeah. is going to see it. So All right, so I think we're going to jump on to the next uh big show that's been LA. So uh this is the end of the spoiler warning that Shelly gave um like a minute or so ago. So if you're if you're uh, in London, you may want to jump back in. Now we're actually going to jump all the way to the West Coast to talk about the Queen's Ball, a Bridgerton experience. Uh, so this is based on the popular Netflix show, which I think is in its second season right now. It was put on by Netflix, Shondaland, and Fever. Um, it's billed as an experience that takes you to the area, era of Bridgerton with music, dance, acrobatics, um, a dance show, cocktails, and more. Uh, guests were encouraged to dress up but did not have to. And Brianna recommended it for a fun date night, a girls' night out with a fun regal twist, or people who just love to wear costumes. So I'm going to kick it over to Brianna to talk a little bit more about her experience uh, at Bridgerton. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> I loved it so much. I just, the Millennium Biltmore um, is where it takes place. And it is one of the most beautiful, historical, iconic hotels in Los Angeles. And it's just so opulent is a word I want to use to describe it. And the experience itself went by really fast. It's 90 minutes and you go in for the first hour. You're sort of received by the queen and you can get your portrait painted. They take a, that photo that you've seen going around that people get. Um, you can also take photos in other areas. You can get drinks at the bar um, and then you can actually introduce yourself to the queen um, by bowing or curtsying. And then there's dancing and they kind of teach you how to do these steps. And it's really just, um, it's so, for the first hour is just sort of about the ambiance. And there are lots of little immersive moments. Um, there are little, there are actors here and there that are just sort of like helping build the world. But my favorite thing about it is just people watching. Like the people who come to this event, the guests, just get so into it and so excited um, when they say they encourage costumes it is just so neat to see what that means to different people some people go full regency some people just want to wear their prom dress again and it's totally fine and what's great about bridgerton specifically is that it isn't 
it isn't full Regency. It isn't trying to be period accurate. So people come in whatever they feel most confident, most beautiful, most regal in and present themselves before the queen. And it's just, it's so sweet. I don't know. It just, it makes my face light up. I just love to see people getting excited about finding beauty in themselves. So <laughs> that's a really cool thing. I, excuse me, when it comes to the guests, one of the things I noticed that I really, really love is how inclusive it is. Um, the show itself is very inclusive, but you find all different types of people at this event, people from all walks of life. It's it's just so cool to see all these different people come together to get dressed up and introduce themselves to the queen and have a cocktail. And so anyways, the first hour is that, and then you're ushered into the ballroom. The queen leads you into the ballroom where the acrobatic, um, the more show portion takes place. Uh, if you have VIP tickets, there is seating for you that is reserved. Otherwise, it's standing around the ballroom. Um, I've heard a lot of people asking about whether or not VIP is worth it. And I think it just depends on what it is you want to get out of the experience. So if you're someone who wants to be on the dance floor all the time, you don't really need VIP necessarily because VIP is going to be up further away sitting down. Um, which is great if you always like to have somewhere to put your purse or, you know, <laughs> someone who wants to rest their feet and just enjoy the show and take in the sights. So it's definitely, I just, I loved it and I'm excited to go back. <laughs> and Laura, I think you had the opportunity to go as well. Kind of what were your, what was your perspective? Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I fully agree with everything Brianna said. I think that, um, I'll, I'll drill down on a couple of details. Um, so this uh, you know, especially with like Shelley referring to some of the secret cinema productions and having two and a half hours in a world and, you know, same thing for like sleep no more, having a, a extended period of time in those, um, you know, very detailed, very expansive, um, some of them very, you know, sandboxy experiences, um, can, can just be absolutely delicious. What I think was really interesting in this situation, because it's a 90-minute runtime and because of the way the show flow is designed, they actually do um, restrict you after that initial hour of mingling. There's these different very beautiful photo ops. There's um, you know a couple of bars and all the interaction that Brianna described. But then when you move into the ballroom, you are actually cut off from those previous spaces. And so, A, the total runtime is more concentrated than some of these other shows. And then you are restricted. You cannot go back. And I do think that this, and they do let you know, which I think is really important when we first checked in and, and you know, going through the ticketing process and, um, or admission process. And um, they let you know that. So there's great communication there about that. So you can manage your expectations. You can um, do all the photo ops you want or beverages or whatever. and um, and then it kind of creates a little bit of a scarcity in that. So you know that you have limited time in the space. You really get to eat that up. And when it's over, it, it really does feel like the perfect amount of time because you are left wanting. Like Brianna, I was like, oh, I, I want to go back. Um, <laughs> which, And I'm not a fan of the show. Um, I mean, no disrespect to the show, but I, I'm not a, like a rabid fan of the show. And so... Um, and I absolutely loved the experience. You don't, and I think compared to some of these other experiences and, you know, whether we chat about them this time or not, but 
whether it's the Stranger Things drive into or whether it's the arcane experience that was here in LA, in this case, actually, you don't need to know anything about the show. Whereas with those other experiences, I do think it was more satisfying. It was, it was a richer experience when you, when you knew the story, you knew the characters in this case, you actually don't need to know anything at all. And you can have the most fun. Yeah. You become right. Yeah. Everyone does. And that's what, you know, what Brianna's saying around the, 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 the dressing up. I was amazed by, again, kind of compared to Arcane, which some people dressed up and it was really cool. And some people didn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's, it's what you want to do, what you want to get out of the experience. But nearly everyone was dressed up to some degree. And that also was another thing that really fostered connection and conversation between participants. So there were some key differences in terms of how people are interacting and what they're getting out of the experience compared to some of these other branded shows, branded experiences. Yes. And so you mentioned you kind of become a character and Brown tossed this to you too, actually. Um, is that, did they give you a role like going in like Arcane did, or is it just kind of like, because everyone's in costume and really like feeling the, the experience, it just kind of is easy to slide into that world. It's, it's, they don't give you one ahead of time. Um, but there is sort of a, a scavenger hunt portion. I, and this is something that I want to go back because I didn't catch this. Um, at the beginning, you're handed um, the Lady Whistledown papers. And on the back of it, part of it is circled. And I, when I walked under that wisteria, I was so overwhelmed. I just went, <laughs> I went into like hyperdrive. I was like, I want to do everything. I want to try everything. Um, I only got to try one of the cocktails, but I did all the photo ops and it was just like, okay, I want to do it all. I want to meet the queen. I want to do the dance. Like I want to do it all. So I completely missed that there is a scavenger hunt that starts out at, um, with the lady whistledown paper. So going back, that's definitely something I want to do because in that first hour, there's more stuff to do that I didn't realize. So it's just kind of like, if you go into it knowing this, you can sort of make these decisions. Like, is that something you want to do? I've heard people say that they spent all their time doing that and didn't get the photos and were disappointed with their experiences. But it's sort of like, it, you have an hour, you have choices to make. Um, but yeah, they don't, as far as you becoming a character, it's more just you in the costume, in the moment, introducing yourself before the queen. It isn't really... Um, yeah, there's no like, this is your name. It's just like, welcome to this world. You are now part of it. it, it yeah. <laughs> but that's a very interesting point about, you know, you only have an hour. Uh, and I, I'm sorry, I missed it if you mentioned how much uh, Bridgerton the experience costs. But, you know, w- with only an hour and a half and really only an hour in the, the main area, I mean, do you feel that it's this would be a good um, time for money investment? for something where you have to get into this, this gorgeous outfit and you go. Yeah. Um, it costs $50 for the general admission and $90 for VIP and VIP has a separate line that you enter through. Um, it also includes a glass of champagne and designated seating for the, uh, second or the last part of the show. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like it's worth it personally. Um, I know a lot of people who have gone and are here to go back. 
Um, but Laura, what do you think? I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. I mean, I think this is a great question. And so because you're left wanting more, but it, at least in my case, I also felt so thoroughly satisfied and delighted yeah. that I think they've really nailed that sweet spot. So the price point for, for I mean, again, I, you know, I'm referring to mainly an LA market. So this is also in Chicago, DC mm-hmm. and Montreal. And so, mm-hmm. but for an LA market, um, I think the price point, you get so much bang for your buck. The level of detail in the production design is fantastic. I mean, you do have this incredible venue. So I don't know what the venues are in the other markets, but you've got this, you know, opulent, as Brianna described, like the Biltmore was, it opened in the 20s. It's incredibly opulent. I mean, it feels like it's tailor-made for an experience like this. So they absolutely nailed it with the venue. Um, And because then when you are ushered, so you do have this sort of more leisurely, um, you know, kind of I, I indulgent, and I mean that in a very positive way, you have this kind of leisurely and sort of indulgent first hour. And then when they put you into the, when you move into the ballroom, it is very high energy and the yeah. show is beautiful. You, it's not just that you're watching the show, although you, you certainly can, again, as we're talking about what are people comfortable with in terms of their the level of interactivity. But the cast will also, there's dance lessons. So there's this whole section where you can sort of, um, you know, they're, they're kind of guiding you through this dance sequence. And it's, it's, I mean, I think for most people, this is pretty straightforward. It's not super complicated. You can kind of jump in, you can jump out. And then they also do a whole sequence. And there is, I don't think Brianna mentioned this there. I mean, the music is live. There's an actual string quartet. And again, the set is incredible. There's things that happen to the set in the ballroom. So the, the final 30 minutes are at a very high level and it can be very participatory. And then when it's over, I mean, everybody was just... The energy was uh, amongst the entire crowd the night that I went, again, very high, very enthusiastic. So I think they've absolutely nailed it with the show design. Yeah, absolutely. I also want to mention for costumes, um, one of the things that I was really surprised by, but in like the best way, is seeing how many men were dressed up. It's like Mm -hmm. usually, because, you know, I do a lot in the costuming community and Usually it's a little bit a little bit harder to get men to uh, be on board with that kind of that level of that was going to be my next question is what is the demographics like because I would assume that there were many 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 more women than men. No, wow, it was shocking to me. I mean, again, I think Brianna and I went on different nights, but it's it's um the the range of people in terms of age, in terms of ethnicity. Um, I was really impressed by it It actually looks that the audience actually very much reflected the show in terms of the diversity and casting, which was wonderful. So again, it actually feels like the world of the, which they can't necessarily plan for, but I I do think it's partly because of the the actual Bridgerton television show and also then how this um, experience has been designed. And so it was very reflective, which made it feel even more authentic to the show. And yeah, there were definitely some men that were in, I mean, tails and they were I mean, completely <laughs> decked out. It really impressive. Yeah. Fantastic. A lot of couples too. It was very, yeah. And so that kind of audience, then I think it, it seems like it's probably a lot of people that are new 
too immersive theater. And I kind of asked this of Shelley too. So is this a pretty like beginner friendly, like way for someone to, to get into immersive is with, with the show like this? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And I, I would say, well, yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I think part of when it comes to the question of like um, price point, I think part of that, at least for me, when I first heard about it, Part of it for me stems from what I'm used to, where I'm used to seeing activations at conventions or like a pop-up down on Hollywood Boulevard where they're they're free, they're a free experience. And so when an, an event like this came up, it was like, okay, well, it's hosted by Netflix. Okay, well, I got to go. I got to get tickets. Oh, they're $50. But it's like, it isn't a pop-up. It isn't a 15-minute, you know, run through a haunted house. It isn't like it's a full... 90 minute experience that well, yeah, from the, yeah. the American experience in the American market, like $50 is not that much for theater these no. days. So for yeah, what you're gonna, explaining, like gonna... live, live string quartet and all this opulent, like the mm-hmm. Biltmore, like my God, 50 bucks worth. I'm going to buy a plane ticket and come over and come see it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, there is a London say, yeah, like... version. There, there, or, oh I mean, yeah. I that there is, I mean, yeah, it's not exactly the same thing, and it's under a different name, which I can't recall off the top of my head, but it's the... Um, it's something Bridgerton. Oh, keep talking, and I'll look it up. It's some... It's, um, I thought that one was Secret Cinema. It, it may be. Um, it may not be, actually... Oh, I think it's its own thing. I don't think it's Secret Cinema. And Kevin, we keep cutting you off. You go ahead. No, I was I was going to kind of follow up on your point. I was going to say that I think maybe my brain has been warped by the the LA market, but fifty bucks for an hour and a half experience at this at this level seems like a steal, and even yeah. ninety dollars for the VIP seems pretty good too. Um, like, I probably shouldn't say this, but I the I don't know how stringent they are about the VIP. Um, I did go very early in the run, um, but there were people that were maneuvering through this. Um, as Brianna explained, this kind of elevated balcony section. I mean, it's not up like in a balcony box. It's, you know, risers and you you can, there were people that were moving and, and myself included so that we could see um, this incredible dance performance and like aerial uh, performance. And so um, they weren't checking that. Um, they were allowing, at least the night that I went, people to to maneuver. And some people were sitting down at these beautiful tables and having cocktails, but they were allowing people to move around the space. So that's the other thing is that um, for people that want to pay that and are able to pay that, uh, fantastic. But there was also a, a fluidity that I, I really appreciated because then you could just enjoy. It didn't feel restrictive. It felt inclusive in a way that's like, let's just all enjoy the show. Yeah, secret cinema kind of throws up a lot of walls with that. Like if you don't pay for the higher tier, there are whole sections you can't get into and it does feel very exclusion heavy. Yeah. And I don't know if this particular thing that I'm describing was just an anomaly on the night that I went. Um, But um, and and so, you know, but I also I guess what I want to say is that for people who were purchasing a VIP level ticket at $90, which is a significant difference from the $50 ticket, that you can still, um, I at least was had the option to be able to see the show, take some photos from that point of view. And, um, you, you know, again, the logistics didn't overshadow the experience. And I think that's a really important thing for producers to, to keep in mind. 
And so Brianna, a few minutes ago mentioned like kind of the activations and things that are other, these kind of branded experience that may show up in LA. And I think kind of probably have become more prominent everywhere. So I wanted to kind of seek into a little discussion of a, a, the wider topic of branded or IP based experiences where you can like go into these worlds you might be seeing on television, in film, in comics, and kind of all these other things. So I think the, the wide question is, for people who probably have seen more of the independent immersive theaters that I think is probably the more prominent one. How do, how do you all feel about these, these large kind of branded money backed experiences? I get kind of cranky about some of the ones that I see popping up around London because, and it's just a side effect of marketing teams realizing that the word immersive brings in bodies without really knowing what immersive means and what it's, what it's really meant to promise. So like, we'll see these pop up, pop up horror installations uh, i remember like when the annabelle movies were coming out like they were doing those um, and war of the worlds that they would do these little activations for free in major city centers but they weren't really immersive theater they were just you know oh come in here and it's some set dressing and there's a couple jump scares but there's nothing really for the audience to do there's no agency there's no choice it's just sort of a like, like i mentioned like a processional where you literally walk in one door you go through like a long tunnel or whatever and then you go out the back door having making no choices just seeing things around you but that's my individual experience well and i think that that's i think it's really important to to cite those and i think you know in general in in review crew and at no proscenium we talk a lot about intentionality and so i do think that um i think it's very evident when the intentionality behind the production and design team uh, is, is, is at a very high level. And I think that the, the success of, um, I mean, again, the things that are most kind of top of mind for me that are more recent are Netflix's, um, Stranger, I mean, these are all Netflix. So Stranger Things, Drive Into, Arcane, and Bridgerton. And all of those, all three of those were, again, crafted, uh, at a at a very high level, produced at a very high level, and I have actually a range of feelings about all of those different shows themselves. Um, but what I think is so impressive is that all three of those experiences were absolutely wonderful, and I think having a range of goals with these experiences of okay, this may deepen someone's relationship to this IP, or it may drive them, maybe they don't have a relationship with this IP, and it may inspire them to do that, to start watching that particular show. I think that the, the goal, at least the ideal in my mind, is that regardless of those outcomes, if the production itself is so well-crafted, I think that is a win for everyone. And I think it just creates a, a better ecosystem or it creates a virtuous cycle of people then wanting to get deeper into immersive, wanting to potentially also explore these IPs or, you know, deepen the, that relationship. And so I think when the intentionality is there, we don't feel like any of the frustration around, well, is this branded or that doesn't that doesn't become an, a, a problem or a conflict or any sort of, there's no like residue around that. It's just that it's a win across the full spectrum. <laughs> yeah. And I think to your point, I've been impressed by the ones uh, that I've done. I have been stranger things that drive into and arcane 
which they have these big this big name and this big branding. And by all rights, they could half ass it and just like do whatever, like kind of throw some stuff up that like themes to the show or whatever. And is like kind of a, a silly little show. But Arcane, especially for me, and we, we've talked about a lot, so I don't want to get too much into it. But it was it was so <laughs> well constructed and so well crafted in terms of the way the show flowed and the design and everything that it it's like they put the they put the thought and the money and like the people behind these do seem to care. They just have the backing of an IP to to kind of right. put on a different kind of show than we're maybe used to. Yes, they have exactly. a world that's like already built. So our expectations going in were already pretty familiar with what we're getting into and where we're going to be in as far as world building goes. You can skip past um, the sort of you know, I, the rules to the world. Yeah. Um, I wanted to add, you were saying that like in London, you're seeing pop-ups that are not always like hitting the mark of immersive. And one of the things that are, that's happening here in LA that I am really excited to see happening um, is I'm excited to see these huge companies with all of this IP and branding tapping into the already existing immersive community. Like JFI's, I know what you did last summer experience was so much fun. I had a <laughs> blast. And it's like knowing that they are handing it over to a company that knows what they're doing. Um, I, I feel like they've kind of hit a stride there, especially just here in LA. Like if, if they're doing it, they know who to go to to make it great. Um, there was also one they did with was it Friday the 13th on the Universal I think lot? it was. I think it was Halloween Kills, but yeah. Halloween Kills, yeah. And that one was like super exclusive. You had to get like an invite to it, right? So that one I didn't see, but um, I did. I know what you did last summer. And I so I think, it. go tell us more about that because <clears throat> I actually didn't get a chance to do that one. And I think that, so JFI, I mean, very, very experienced, but I think you're right to point out that that, that's they have different resources. They're a different level in terms of just uh, finances than Netflix. And I think it's really important that we, um, you know, it, a lot in the immersive space. I think we're still really missing like that middle track. There aren't these kind of more established pipelines, and especially you know, Shelley citing BBC Money, and we just don't have that here in the U.S. I mean, the arts funding from the government keeps getting oh, it's miserable in the U.S. So. Right. So I think like this is a really important point. So Brianna, what did you feel like because JFI is at a very different level in terms of size and resources compared to Netflix? Were there elements of that that were an advantage in terms of this particular activation? Like how what did that offer that was different compared to just like the size and scope is, is sort of the most obvious launching point. But what else was maybe more of an advantage because of who JFI is? Yeah, I mean, they were already at the time they were doing their creep show. So it was it, it was great. From what I understand, it was a, a really crazy effort to switch it over because the location was the same. So to go from doing creep to I know what you did last summer. Um, was a lot of work and it was just really interesting to see how it changed and um, yeah it was basically that event we've probably covered it before but it was just like a, a house party after graduation and um, maybe it was at a it wasn't at a house but it was a party after graduation and we're all just celebrating that we just graduated and there are like parents there and pretty much the deal was when you walk through the door you were a high school student who had just graduated and they built that world and then after that you moved into the like show, well, I don't know. I don't know if I'd call it the show portion, but you 
you move through more of the like story points where they get into why it's I know what you did last summer and not just another creep JFI production. So um, I'm also <laughs> I'm also a sucker for like a souvenir, a lanyap, if you will. Oh, that's the best. Um, I love it. I love when these activations give you something to take home that's just sort of a little reminder of like, watch the show. You know what I mean? I, I'm a huge television fan, so that sort of synergy networking like works for me. Um, so the uh, like the activation at Comic-Con that gave the keychains for um, Room 217 keychains, that I still have. And yeah. but, um, but yeah, so they gave you like crazy straws. It's it. I know what you did last summer. There were photo ops outside. It was painted on the wall. It was just, I just felt like it was really well done. And I feel like it was, it was more immersive than, probably like more personally immersive than the Bridgerton experience was. Not uh, to say okay. one is better than the other, right. but I know what you did last summer. Because Apples and oranges. JFI, yeah, because they're very good at that, like one-on-one -on -one interpersonal, you're going to have a singular moment away from everybody else experience it just was different but yeah it's i hope that answers your question i'm sorry yeah, I no, so it sounds like i mean correct me if i'm wrong but it sounds like the, the the level of intimacy and personalization were different and i think that's a really important thing to point out and so you know bigger isn't necessarily better i mean again no. bridgerton did an amazing job the size and scope and and level of detail just absolutely you know chef's kiss but it's yeah. also great to celebrate these um, smaller production companies and, and all of their expertise that they're drawing on through their their flexibility as a more independent, smaller production. And their, um, yeah. and JFI, obviously, it's a very experienced group of people. And I yeah. think with, well, I know what you did last summer too, because, so I think it was unique, like Brianna mentioned, they flipped their, their creep space into the show and like redecked it. And we're able to put on like a branded show and probably get some of that Amazon backing to do that. And I think JFI probably falls into that kind of like middle range that you're talking about too lower where it's like they can put on these these experiences that are branded through the show. But it was very much through a JFI lens. Like it mm -hmm. still felt yeah. like a really good combination of I know you did last summer and JFI's like normal sense of artistry. Right. And I think that added to it and made it like a really interesting show. It didn't feel like you were walking through an ad. <laughs> it felt like you're in the world of I know what you did last Because of that, you wanted to watch the show just to learn more about that world because the show hadn't come out yet. So it was, yeah, it's exciting stuff. They, didn't they, they also did an activation at Comic-Con for um, uh, 1984 uh, American Horror Story, right? I believe know? so. Yeah, they've done a they've done a lot. They JFI really slides into these kind of like they work with these these bigger brands. So I think they did one for um the Bob Odenkirk Nobody movie on the Universal lot as well. So they've oh. they're playing in this space of these kind of these these big companies while I think retaining that kind of JFI flair that they've been known for. Yeah. I love it. I love to see all these IPs. I love to see the money for these IPs going into the immersive community and I love to see normal everyday people getting more involved with their IPs that they love and the immersive community through things like Bridgerton, a Queen's Ball, a Bridgerton experience. You know, I actually <laughs> want to jump back on that note, too. There was someone who approached me. Um, uh, so so 
while my partner and I, we went to Bridgerton together. And while we were standing in the VIP section that we didn't realize we weren't supposed to be in um, and, and watching, again, this very uh, sort of show, you know, performance based aspect of the experience, a woman approached us and she said, I, I have a question for you. And I don't know if she was there just on, um, you know, her own, that, that this question was out of her own personal curiosity or if this was um, something that was orchestrated within the production design. But she said, I, I'm, I work in experiential marketing and I just wanted to ask you two, who really wanted to come to this? And she said, was it you? Pointing to me, she's like, were you the, the instigator and, and to my partner, she asked him, you know, are you having a good time? Did you really want to be here? And I, and I mean, it was, first of all, what she a was weird kind thing of to ask in the middle us. of a show. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. strange. I didn't mind. I mean, she was very pleasant. Um, I did want to say, like, if you're going to ask these questions, maybe don't, you know, kind of leading the witness a little bit. Um, <laughs> She's like, sir, blink twice. Also, wait till afterwards. <laughs> We're in the middle of this whole thing. We're in the middle of the queen's ball. Why are you asking me marketing questions? Yeah, it was, it was definitely strange, which makes me feel like she was, um, you know, that this was not on like any sort of, uh, in any sort of official capacity. But we both were like, no, 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 we were both very excited to be here. This was a mutual decision. Um, he comes with me to so many of the, he does not work in the immersive space, but um, he comes with me to so many of these things. He's super game, very excited. And, and it was interesting that that was something where, again, these kind of gender roles, going back to Brianna pointing out, like, how many men had really dressed up. And so I also think it's it's just lovely to point out that not only, um, you know, saying, like, look, look at how some of these branded experiences are inviting more people into the immersive space. And some of these are really inclusive from, like, a beginner standpoint. And... Um, and it's interesting that, like, I think there might still be some misconceptions around, like, who are the target markets? Who are these audiences? And just because it's Bridgerton does not mean that this is that women are the people that really are driving ticket sales. And so I thought that was an interesting moment. And it was, um, yeah, I think there's still some misconceptions around who is drawn to immersive and specifically which kinds of immersive experiences. Well, I think going to your back point to the, my this very one. sexist question that I asked earlier. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Well, because I was saying over this whole discussion, I, Bridgerton, this didn't sound like my my scene for a number of reasons. But the way you've talked about it, Brianna and Laura, it makes it sound like a lot of fun. It's like I don't. It's like maybe I'm thinking about going because it just seems like a fun kind of party with some cool stuff. Like totally. Yeah. Oh my gosh, the Tanqueray drinks are so good. At least the one that I had was so good. <laughs> Excited to go back and try the rest. Um, and, I, it, and I think that really speaks to that it opens it up to a lot of different people. It's like maybe people aren't even into Bridgerton or dressing up, but it's like there's a fun party in LA and it's 50 bucks and it's an hour and a half and you get a, a cool experience. It's you know, like, a costume party. Yeah, you you get cool cocktails. Why not? Yeah. 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 Well, Shelly, you were asking too about like if it's worth it to buy the ticket if you are also getting the fancy dress ready. And I definitely think so because you can rewear it like – the first time you go, you're not going to get to do everything you wanted to do, I don't think. And mm. I definitely didn't get enough pictures. So I'm really excited to go back and wear my dress again. You know what I mean? There's a repeat. I would love to wear like, my prom dress again. It has stayed in plastic wrap for the last like 15 years. I'd love to wear it again. And this is everyone's excuse to just go out and get fancy and have a night on the town that 
I don't know. It's just, it's good stuff. All right. So um, thank you, everybody. And thank you, Brianna and Shelly, for your first time on Review Crew. It was great to have you. Yay. Um, Thanks for having us. Today's show. I'm sure this is a topic. Yeah. I'm sure this is a topic we're going to come back to a lot. Um, I know there's like the Batman show opening in London and some other probably branded experiences coming up. And I think it's, yeah, (laughs) we'll have you back on if you go to that one. Um, And so, yeah, we'll be, I think we'll be talking about this topic a lot more. various secret cinemas popping up and, and Netflix, I think seeming to go like kind of all in on this, this thing, at least in LA and kind of around the world. So cool. So thank you everybody. So um, we have the normal sign off here. So as always, uh, no percentium is a labor of love. Everyone on staff who you hear on podcasts like this, read on the site, our volunteers. Um, you can support this work by donating to the no percentium po- uh, Patreon, which is uh, even two or $5 a month helps. And if you're enjoying Review Crew or the main No Presenting Podcast, you can also support us by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, So for Review Crew, thanks, everybody. Signing off. Thank you.